to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. First and foremost, I am not uh, like Andre. I'm not a full-time worker. I'm not even a pastor. All right? For this, part, this place here has a lot of nostalgia to me because I used to work for Aberdeen Asset Management. So my office is just right behind over there. So Josh is my colleague as well for about two or three years already. And I have been with Aberdeen for almost 10 years. If I stayed on till this month, it would have been 10 years with Aberdeen. So I've been there nine over years. And I wanted to just share that 2018 has really been a challenging year. Um, how many of the adults here uh, face office politics? Yeah, right. I, I was part of that. I had office politics. Long story short, I think my boss didn't want me. She wanted me out of the way. She promoted my junior to become my boss. You know? So I faced all of that. But thank God, something happened and I was able to maneuver myself out of the company. I'm now with another firm. And from reporting to somebody, somehow God just uh, expanded my universe in a sense. Huh? Uh, I was supposed to have a team of three or four people reporting to me. When I landed, I found out I'm now heading a team of seven people. You know, when I used to cover just Singapore, I now cover, you know, Singapore, Hong Kong, Thailand, and Malaysia. And so this was a very personal word to me that God told me this year that He will enlarge my tent and enlarge my territory. That was my hope. That was my future. But I want you to know that sometimes in life, we go through this whole period. Even children, you know, sometimes, they, obviously, they have it easier. Their office politics is... I don't want to friend you, yeah? I don't want to be your friend, yeah? Things like that. But it's very real, you know? So I wanted to just kick off by showing everyone this little thing over here. Um, can you all tell me what does this look like? Traffic light, right? Now, if this is uh, going to function like a traffic light, what we would expect is this. We would expect a mirror image. Do you all agree with me? But however, this traffic light is spoiled. Let's try and fix that. Let's try and fix that. All right? So, ladies and gentlemen, help me out here. If I were to try and fix this traffic light, what color goes first? Green. Green, right? Followed by? Yellow. Yellow. Followed by? Red. Red. Now, we all wish the world was perfect, but I want you to know it's not. Okay, okay, too fast. I try that again. Slowly, slowly. <laughs> slowly, uh, slowly, slowly, slowly. Let's try that one more time. Uh, if I want to fix it, guys... Boys and girls, what color goes down first? Green. Green. What goes next? Yellow. What goes next? Red. And again, we all wish the world was perfect, but it's not. You know? And we all know this. All the way in the United States, we have a president right now who says something and tomorrow markets is going to change. You know, in Europe, they're fighting their own battles. Markets are going to change again. And each and every day, we all face things that shape and rattle our lives. And you know, sometimes we really wish uh, that we could change everything. So let's try this one last time. Let's take the green. Everyone say me, green. green. Followed by? Yeah. Yellow. Now, here's the interesting thing. Let's take the red. We all wish God will take our problems, because this guy is a troublemaker, right? He keeps popping up at the wrong place. We all wish God will take our troubles and put it one side. So, you guys are going to help me here. I'm going to borrow his keyboard.
board, put this over here. Guys on this side, watch the ball. I'm not going anywhere near that right now. I'll come back to that in a moment. But you know, we all wish that God will take our problems away. Now in my next slide, I actually want to ask a question. Have, has anyone here, you know, ever had this wish, you know, that, you know, in the spirit of Christmas, as we're all out there spending money, feeling good about each other, you know, feeling good about the whole festivity, is there anyone here who has ever wished, uh, you know, you kind of like get one magic wish from God that will solve all your problems? Yeah, a- anyone here? Yeah, yeah. Maybe you can show the next slide as well. And do me a favor, click on the first animation. You know, my generation, we will know this guy. Aladdin, right? Yeah, yeah. Aladdin, three wishes. The new generation don't really know Aladdin. They know the next one. Uh, Shimmer and Shine. Uh, there you go, Shimmer and Shine. Boys also watch, all right? My three-year-old boy watches it as well. All right. Now, the premise of these two cartoons, very, very simple. You make a wish, and each day the genie grants you three wishes. You know, as a young child, when I watch Aladdin and all that, and especially as you climax towards the cartoon, uh, you always wonder, you know, they all sweat about that last wish. Oh, I must keep that last wish, you know. I always wonder to myself, why can't it just work that you use your last wish and wish for three more wishes? <laughs> right? Hey, come on, I can't be the only one that thought that way, right? Anyone here? Yeah? Your wish, hey, I had wishes and I'll just keep wishing for three or better yet, I'll just wish for an infinity amount of wishes, right? And then it will always happen. Now, today, I want to go into God's Word. So, I'm going to go into God's Word, and if you don't mind, you can show them the next slide. Um, And I want to share with you a Bible story. Now, I know we are here for Christmas, but I'm going to share in a very non-Christmas fashion, all right? I'm, in fact, going to take a story that's not even really related to Christmas. And I understand that some of us here, we are new, we are young Christians. So, to us, you know, our Bible kind of looks like this. Still raw, still new. We don't know anything that's happening in the Word of God. But I hope that after today, you know, you will learn a little something. You will learn a little something about God, about the Word that He has for each and every one of you. And if it's even better, you know, I hope that God gives you a revelation today. Full revelation about what He wants to do in your life. Can you turn to someone next to you and say, Be prepared for a revelation. Alright, so before I go into the story, can I just ask, how many of you are familiar with this story? Yeah? It's not one that's told often, so let me share this story with you. So in the Bible, 1 Kings chapter 3. Now, if you know a little bit about the history of Israel, Israel started out with the first king called King Saul. And then, after about, well, this is debatable, as I always do research, some people say King Saul reigned for 12 years, 22 years, 32 years, 44, 42 years. So this is still open, huh? but generally people say Saul ruled for 42 years. David ruled for another 40 over years, and then it came to the point of Solomon. And one day, you know, Solomon, after being king, he went up to this place called Gibeon, and At the altar of Gibeon, he sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings to the Lord. And what happened is, next slide you will see, he then went back, retired to his chambers, and he fell asleep. And that night, God appeared to Solomon. And God asked Solomon that very same question. Moments ago, all of us wished that God will ask us, you know, what if I give you one wish, what would you wish for? And he asked that question 
to Solomon. And Solomon then replied him in verse 6. Let's look at what Solomon said. Solomon says, Lord, you have shown great kindness to my father, David, because he was faithful and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued, right? The word says, this great kindness to him and given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. In case there's any doubt, that son is him. He's talking about himself. And then in verse uh, 6, 7, in verse 7, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count and number. And then in verse 9, Solomon then turned to God and said this, So, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Turn to someone and says, He wished for a discerning heart. Right. So, what does this have to do with most of us today. I'd like to share three things for you to remember at the end of this service. Can I have the first one? Can you turn to somebody and read the words that says, Solomon led a life that glorified and honored God first. Yeah? Can you read the word and tell it to someone? Tell it to someone next to you. Tell it to someone next to you. Now, why, why is this amazing? Let me just show you the next uh, pointers and explain a little bit to you. The king went to this place called Gibeon. Now, let me just um, share a little bit. When Solomon was king, his capital, if you like, his main city, which he operated out from, was this place called Jerusalem. But then, the first thing that he did was he traveled out of the, of the city into this place called Gibeon because at that point, and you know, I was so amazed at the way worship and everything was led. Andre mentioned, right when he came up, he says, you know, God, long time ago, was not accessible to men, right? Because in the mountains. God was not accessible even when they moved to the tent and to the temple. And at this place, Gibeon, was where the ark, the tabernacle was. So it wasn't a place that was accessible, you know. It was a place he had to travel. Now think about this, uh. as a newly minted king, he's got a lot of responsibilities. He has a lot of things to do. But the first thing he decided to do was, hey, I'm going to travel out of my way, go to somewhere and give thanks to God. That's the important high place. And you know, I highlighted this thing called the 1,000 burnt offerings, uh. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't know about you, but you know, when I was in university, when I was in NUS, a lot of my classmates, they hated me and my, my, my project mates. You know why? Because we like to, um, you know, up the level of uh, competition. So everything that we do, we do it to the max. We do it really well. And so much so, after every presentation that my group has done, 
people will come to us and say, hey, you spoil market lah, you. How to do after y'all? Y'all sure get A already. All the rest of us get B. You know, we were intense in trying to up that level. And guess what? In case you don't know, uh, when the people used to go and sacrifice, they only needed to do one offering. Solomon did 1,000 burnt offerings. And this is amazing. Now, I shared this before with some of the children, and some of the children who are very well read, they say, Ah, teacher Darius, Solomon can do that because Bible says he was very rich. He was very wealthy, right? Do you, all, do you all know that? But hang on. That was years later. Not at this point. At this point, he was not the wealthiest king in the Old Testament yet. He wasn't the most famous king in the Old Testament yet. So it doesn't mean uh, he literally had a lot of wealth, but he took a lot of his money, he took a lot of his possessions, and he sacrificed that on the altar. 1,000 burnt offerings. He gave God over and beyond what he was required to do. Turn to someone and says, over and beyond. Then if you like a little bit more colloquial, turn to someone and say, spoil market. Alright, so now you understand, uh, ladies and gentlemen, even when we stand on stage here, even if we praise, even if we shout out loud, even if we sing until we lose our voice, let me tell you, you still cannot beat Solomon. He did over and above. 1,000 times the expectation, he did it. Alright, so that's the first thing. He honoured God first. Beyond anything that he should have done as a king, he honoured God first. Let me show you the second thing. He demonstrated, King Solomon uh, demonstrated thanksgiving and humility to God. And in this part, I want to share with you the next three verses. Let me show it to you. He says, you have shown great kindness to my father. Do you all remember earlier on this part? This is after King Solomon has already spoken to God. God has already asked him, what do you want? And at that moment, I mean, I don't know if any of you have ever tried buying presents for children. You know, in my family, we used to have this tradition. My youngest auntie, when I was a child, my youngest auntie would take leave in December every year. She will bring the few of us, we'll go out to Toys R Us, we'll select our own present and all that, right? So after she has done that for us when we were kids, right now, I'm doing this tradition. So I bring my son and uh, my sister has four children, so four of them, and my another cousin has two kids. So a whole army, seven kids, let me tell you, trying to give freedom uh, to seven children to buy toys in Toys R Us uh, is chaotic. <laughs> it's chaotic, alright? And you know what? Whenever you ask a child, alright, daddy, uncle, or whoever, we're going to buy you a present. What do you want? Who are the eyes light up? They run into the house and they uh, uh, in the house and all, and they just try to grab whatever they can grab. Huh? Maybe this, put it back. Huh? Maybe that and all. Think about that in context of Solomon right now. God spoke to him and said, "You can have anything you want. Not just in Toys R Us, uh, by the way. You can have anything you want in the whole world. Whatever you ask, I will give it to you." Now, Solomon didn't straight away take out his iPhone, his iPad, look through his wish list and all that. No. He went and he says, God, before I tell you anything, uh, you are a great God that has shown kindness. And you know what's the amazing thing? He didn't start off with you shown kindness to me. 
He started off by telling God, you have shown kindness to my father. You have shown kindness to my father and now you have shown kindness to me. Can I just ask right now, I'm sure many of us, we have at some point in time given thanks to God, right? We have said, thank you God for today. Thank you God for this. How many of us actually started off a prayer? Dear Lord, Thank you for my parents. Thank you for what you have done for my dad, for my mom, for my grandparents, etc. Anyone? I'm sure there are, but it's not common. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not common. King Solomon started with that. He says, thank you, God, for what you have done for my father. A heart of thanksgiving. The next verse, verse 7. And going to verse 7, what was amazing is that line again, I highlighted in yellow. At this point in time, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Israel was at their height of their glory. Just in case um, you're again not familiar with the genealogy and history, when we had King Saul, when we had King David, and we had King Solomon, they each reigned for about 40 over years. This was a period of 120 years. Back during these three kings, uh, Israel was what we call United Nations, United Kingdom. After King Solomon, they split north and south. And by the way, they had a total of 39 kings. Uh. Of the 39 kings, only 8 were good kings. And as a result, they were conquered by all the different enemies subsequently. So at this point in time, after King David, it was nearing the height of Israel's glory. It was nearing the height of Israel's power and influence in the world. And here Solomon was. He was the king of all of that. He had everything at his feet. And yet, when God asked him, what would you like? Solomon replied, I am but a little child. I don't know how to carry on my duties. You know, this spoke very strongly to me because when my friends asked me, why did I leave my company? Why did I go and join somewhere else? Was it because I was really looking for a job title? Did I really want that career advancement so much? And I told them, honest to truth, it's got nothing to do with the job advancement. It has nothing to do with the career progression. I always tell people, if some company sees it fitting that they will hire me to lead a team, then it must mean I'm doing something right. Not because I've maneuvered myself into a position to become important. I want them to hire me because I've done the right things and they can see in me the leadership to lead on to other people. And here Solomon was. He didn't go like, Oh God, you know, I'm king now of your great empire. Make me this, make me that. The opposite. He went down and he says, God, I am but a little child and I don't know what to do. How many of us in our jobs were willing to tell God? How many of us in our schools, in our lessons, in our tuition? You know, even the children, I'm sure some of us, we had this before. When our parents told us, go for tuition class. And you know, as children, we all think, no need lah. I know everything. Why do I need to go for tuition? But yet, Solomon was the opposite. God, I know nothing. So let me show you uh, verse 8 now. And so he says, God, your servant is here. You know, when I always read this and I try to expound on it, I felt it was very strange. 
God was obviously speaking to him, right? It's like a two-way conversation. God, him, him, God. Why must he still tell God, okay, God, thank you for blessing my father. Thank you for blessing me now. I'm a young boy. I don't know what to do. But God, I am here. Obviously, right? God is having a conversation with you. Why do you need to state the obvious? But I highlighted this for two reasons. The first word is the word servant. Solomon didn't say, Lord, your king is here. He says, your servant is here. Whatever position, wherever we've been elevated to, we have to recognize that servant heart, that servant attitude. And he said here because he was telling God, I'm present, I'm here. Isaiah has this verse also, Lord, here I am, use me. He was expressing to God that he was available. Many times we're all here, many times we're all present, but we're never available. Interesting. Let me share with you one last thought. Solomon asked God to help him to lead a life that was right. Not a life that was powerful, not a life that was wealthy. Can I have the verse, please? But he asked God for a discerning heart to know what was right. You know, a lot of us, we pray, and it's not a, it's not a condemnation or anything, but it's very human. We always pray for the end result. We always pray for the end result. You know, as a child, uh, I always remember my mom and my dad praying. He says, God, Darius is going for exams. Please help him, you know, during the exam to do well. You know, but today, I always tell a lot of the Sunday school children, I tell parents as well, actually, the prayer for the examination starts in eight days' time. On the 1st of January, every time your child does homework, you should start to pray, Dear Lord, help him remember what he is doing so that when he goes to the exam, he can remember what he has done. You know? And same thing for us when we all go out into our different... We are adults here, we are parents, we are workers, etc. You know, a lot of times we pray for the end result. And what that does, uh, what that does is this. It makes you a last-minute Christian. When something goes wrong, when the project is out of hands, that's when we get on our knees and we start to say, God, help me, that project is out of control. God, help me, this situation is out of control. But you know, if we go out first and we say, God, you give me that heart, you give me that ability, God will give you the result later on. And that's what he did. He asked God for a discerning heart. So in closing... I wanted to just wrap this up. Can I have the next slide? Because, you know, again, I'm, I'm not given a lot of time, but if you have this moment at home, please go and Google this thing called the concentric circles or the golden circle. There's this guy that teaches about the how, the what, and the why. All right? A lot of us, 99% of the world, we sell from the how, and then we go to the why. Let me demonstrate. The how. I make great computers. I make great computers. What do I make? I make the computer. Why do I make it? I don't know. Because I make great computers. The 1% successful people are people like Apple. This is not an endorsement. This is not advertisement. But why is Apple so successful? Because they sell you the why. Photographs should be beautiful. Your technology should be seamless. 
Your device should be beautiful. Just go and listen to this year's uh, product launch. You hear Tim Cook and all of them say the word beautiful like I don't know how many times. I lost count. Everything they make is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's the why. And then they tell you how they make it. We make it with the best chips, with the best lenses, with the best screens, etc., etc. What do we make? Oh, we just happen to make phones, watches, tablets, computers. Want to buy one? And then everyone queues at Apple Shop down Orchard Road. Because you're sold the why. So, in sharing this, I want to share with you the why. Why should we care about Solomon's wish? Here's the first one. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 12, he says, I will do. This is God speaking. Huh? This is after Solomon has made his wish. God replies, I will do what you ask. Sorry, the words are not so prominent, but let me read it out. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. And over here, I underline the word wise. You know why? If you have some time, go back again and look at verse, uh, chapter 3. Uh, Solomon only asks, uh, only asks for a discerning heart. A lot of times, right, the, the Christian storybooks and all that, we quote it a little bit wrongly. Uh, we all say Solomon asked for wisdom. Actually, he didn't. He asked for a discerning heart. But because he asked for a discerning heart, God gave him extra. God gave him a wise and discerning heart. So the wisdom, uh, by the way, was not his intention. He wanted a discerning heart. God gave him the wisdom as a bonus. As a bonus. Verse 13, Moreover, I will give you all the things that you didn't ask for. You could have asked for wealth. You could have asked for fame. You didn't. And because you didn't, now I give it to you. Now I give it to you. You know? Ladies and gentlemen, I think one of the important things to know is that if we are doing things right before God, God will bless you. God will glorify you. Now, just to share a little bit, I, I'm not boasting that I'm doing the right thing, but I just want to share with you a little interesting thing. Over in Aberdeen, and right now in my new company called Nico, I do sales. I do business development. And you know, in my industry, in the finance industry, right, you are expected to drink yeah, alcohol with your clients. I have never drunk alcohol in my life. Never. Even when I got married, I didn't have the yum sing and all that. Uh, I have literally never drank before. No beer. I escaped the beer and all that in army. I never drank red wine, white wine, you know. Josh can confirm this. And in fact, you know what happens? The industry at large, my industry, the fund management industry, knows that I don't drink. But I still go for those industry events. But every time I turn up and they all, hey, hi, there is. Hey, Coke, Coke, give the guy Coke, Coke, Coke. Yeah. So, you know what? Every time they all tar, right? You know, they have to tar the wine of glass. or That means you've got to bottoms up, bottoms up. They look at me and uh, you don't drink, right? Nah, here's the picture of Coke. You've got to drink that down. So actually, it's worse. Huh? The sugar content higher. I feel bloated. I, after that, go toilet, blah, everything. Uh, yeah. But you get the idea. And I wanted you to know that because of that, God honoured me. Not that I'm now ultra famous. Not that I'm ultra wealthy. But as a result, God has helped me such that the whole industry now, nobody expects me to bottom up. Nobody ever pass me alcohol and say, today you must drink. No one. All of them knows that I don't drink. When you do it right, God will give you that fame, that fortune, that extra bit that you need in order to overcome your situation. The last one. Interestingly, 
it's a condition. The last thing God gave to him, if you walk in obedience to my laws, I will give you long life. Now, this long life thing is very debatable. Once again, if you go in Google and all that, Saul lived to about 70 over years old. David lived to about 70 over years old. Solomon, he lived about 80, 82, some say. So it's not that he lived a super long life, but back in the days, uh, to live until 80 was still quite remarkable as well. And so God gave him that condition. If you obey me, I will give you long life. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to come to a close today. If I can have my next slide. Today, what is your wish? If God is sitting here before you right now, and God says, I will grant you a wish, what would it be? You know, I want to just come back to this for a moment. Some of us might say, oh, you know what? I wish God will fix the circumstance in my life. I wish God will do a miracle and change things around. Now, do you all remember the verse that I asked you all to remember right at the start of the service? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Now, let me just share something interesting about that verse. A lot of Christians, we take that verse and we dole it out like Panadol like that, like Paratissimal. Oh, brother, you got a headache, you're not well. Don't worry, God has a plan for you. God will prosper you. God will give you a hope. God will give you a future. Oh, you're having some family situation. Don't worry, God has a plan for you. God will bless you. God will give you hope. Here's the Panadol again. Oh, children, your study is not well. Don't worry, God has a plan for you. God has a future. God has a hope. Now, I want to challenge you all today as well. A little bit of reading. Go back to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And you look at the 10 verses before. Jeremiah chapter 29 was written to the people in exile. I told you about the United Kingdom. Later on, they were split apart and they were conquered by the Babylonians. Jeremiah wrote this to the people who were captured and brought to Babylonian. And God told them this. When you get to Babylon, go and build your houses Go and get married. Go and do everything. Do not rebel. Do not rebel. Do not listen to all the wise men and the prophets who tell you that hope is coming. It will not come. You will be kept this for 70 years. 70 years. And what does that mean to me? It means that God is saying, today, brothers and sisters, you might have a difficult situation in your life. You might be wronged by somebody you might be, you know, um, put in a difficult position that you may have to compromise. But you know what? God is saying, get on with your life. Get on with your life and do what is right. And after that period of suffering, I have a plan for you. I will take you out. And if you go and look after verse 11, verse 12, God even says, I have not forgotten you. I remember you and I will rescue you back, my people. So, a lot of times, we hope that God fixes it. But guess what? It doesn't get fixed. Where was the red ball, guys? Where was the red ball? So, in closing today, I just wanted to just share this with you, alright? And I want to just do one last thing. 
The circumstance might look difficult. The circumstance might look challenging. Sometimes you may look to God and say, Nah, God, no way. Impossible. It's not going to happen. I'm already, you know, in this situation. How are you going to make it better? But you know what? God always has a way to change the circumstances in our life. First time lucky or knee, lucky or knee. Cannot be one. That happened because it was a coincidence. Can't be anything else. Right? But if you trust God, if you allow God to work in your life, if you do what is right, God makes it repeatable. First time lucky, first time lucky, second time coincidence, right? Can't be. You know, God, I'm so useless. I'm so deep into trouble. I can't get myself out of it. But God says, if you trust me, if you but just listen to me, I will deliver you. Can I have everyone's eyes closed and head bow for a moment? Can I just have everyone's eyes closed, head bow for a moment? You know, today, right now, Yes, the musician starts to play a little bit of a song, a little bit of a tune. I just feel God asking two very important questions. I know I didn't share anything about Christmas today. There was no talk about Joseph, no talk about Mary, no talk about the angels, no talk about the shepherds. Because really, we all know the Christmas story well. And I wanted to just draw you onto this point. This Christmas, 2018... God is giving you one question. If you have a wish, what will you wish for? What will you wish for? Some of us, we may not know God. We may not even be Christians per se. And maybe today, God is impressing upon your heart. Get to know me a little bit. Get to know my word. Get to know my plans for you. Yes, the road is tough. But the road does end somewhere. And it doesn't end with you going off a cliff. It ends with God remembering you. It ends with God being in control. It ends with God giving you a hope and a future. So right now, I just want to just ask a very simple question. I always ask this to the children. And it's going to be a call to anyone here who doesn't know Jesus. You know, and I always use this as an analogy. Ladies and gentlemen, you can walk in and out of church 100 times. You can attend 100 services, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, Christmas, for the next 30 years. It doesn't make you a Christian. Because if walking in and out of church makes you a Christian, then walking in and out of McDonald's, would turn me into a hamburger. Walking in and out, Yakun should turn me into Kayatos. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. So walking in and out of church doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is if today you tell God, God, I give you my life. I surrender all. I love how Andre came up and prayed. The hope and all that. Let me tell you, it wasn't planned. I don't even know whether he knows my sermon for today. But every word that he says, I was just shouting an amen and an amen and an amen. Because God has a hope 
for us as a people. God has a hope for us as a nation. God has a hope for us as a, you know, as a global world. God has a hope. The question is, do we know this God right now? So as all eyes are closed and all heads are bowed, if you will but give me this privilege to pray for you today, and you don't know this God, can I just ask that you raise your hands and so I will know who you are and I could just pray for you. I'm not going to do this for a long time. I'm just going to count from five to zero. And as I count from five to zero, if you've never done this before and you want to know God, we want to pray for you and we want to share some stuff with you. Five. Four. I see one hand there. Three. Can you just do me a favor? Keep that hand up so that I can get someone to come next to you and just stand together with you. Two. One. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Can somebody help me? Gentlemen, second row over there. So I'm so glad that all of us here today, majority of us, we are Christians. Let's just join him together in prayer as he asks God into his heart. So let me just request one more time. All eyes closed, every head bow. And you know what? He's going to pray. God's going to hear his voice. But as a church, let's pray louder so that we encourage him, all right? Follow after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this day that we know your goodness, that we know you have a hope for us. And we thank you that you have died on the cross for our sins. Even as we take you as our Savior, our friend, and our companion for life, watch over us. In Jesus' name, we ask and we pray. Amen. You know, in a moment's time, I'm going to hand the time back to Pastor Andre as well. But I just feel led to also pray for the rest of us. So maybe as your eyes are closed one last time, we're drawing closer and closer to the end of 2018. And I just want to ask you, is there anything in your life this year, like me, nothing went right? And you're still waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel. God wants to give you that hope. And if God can do it for me, God can do it for any one of us here right now. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front because there are so many of you. But right now, as a body of Christ, we want to edify each other. So I just want to ask again, if you have a need in your heart, it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual. We want to just pray for you as well. But in order to do that, you need to be like Solomon. You need to humble yourself and to tell God, God, I am but a child and I do not know what to do. So once again, as your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed, just to you know, not embarrass anyone. If this call is going out to you and God is speaking to you, can I just ask that at this moment you stand wherever you are. You just stand and you tell God, God, I need your hope. I need your future. I need you to prosper me. I need you to keep me from harm. I need you to walk with me through this road. Do me a favor. Can you just do stand wherever you are? Wherever you are. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Five. Four. Three, 
two, and one. Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for this time that, Lord, your presence is here so strongly. Your word, Lord, has been delivered. And Lord, I know it is running in the minds and in the hearts of my brothers and sisters here, Lord. Lord, I'm so thankful for what you have done for me in 2018. And because of that, I know full well that you will do it for the people as well. Lord Jesus, I just ask that even as we go into a new year, even as we experience each and every new day with you, Lord, may you empower each and every one seated here today, Lord. May you just speak to their hearts that, Lord, they know that you are with them. You have not forgotten them, Lord Jesus. And that in all that they do, you are over and above their circumstance. You know, sister, they're standing up there. I just want you to know God has a word that just came into my mind for you. And God is saying that whenever He puts a Goliath in front of you, it's because He knows there's a David inside of you. So let that David arise. Let that David arise.